This is Lori. I'm going to tell a story about Bill. <laughs> you know, those of you who are freezing can leave, but please open the door and let some warm air in. Yeah. Um, I met Phil for the first time in 1999. We were lost to all ends in Los Angeles and could not find the room. That's how I met Phil. <laughs> we eventually made it to what was then called the Deaf-Blind Committee of ACB. So, uh, Phil is a very funny guy and I'm sure he'll have a lot to teach you. It's always better to get lost together. It's always better to get lost with a friend. <laughs> so. We thought that it would be interesting um, to, he to hear about um, cochlear implants and that whole experience. It's something that has come up the last couple of years in committee discussions. Well, we finally got our opportunity because Phil Jones from Loganville, Georgia, uh, agreed to uh, speak about his experience from evaluations to uh, implantations, activations, and that whole experience and what it and what it was like. So I'm going to turn it over to Phil. Thank you very much, Karen. I do thank you and the SASE committee for giving me the opportunity to talk about my experience with a cochlear implant. And I wanted to say out, out of the outset that this is my experience and my experience only. I'm still uh, getting used to cochlear implants. I, it's been two years, this past October, that I received my implant and got activated some three weeks after that. So the, co the cochlear implants are so individual that this is, as I say, my experience. Someone else could experience something else, but I'm happy to share this with you and figure out and, and, and also to take your, your questions at the end of the presentation and maybe I can get some tips too because uh, it's uh, it's quite a journey. Uh, I know I, I was titled, I think the presentation was titled My Cochlear Implant Journey and that's what it is. I'm on that journey and I've got a long way to go and I hope a long time to get there. But, uh, anyway, as uh, Karen mentioned, I'm from Loganville, Georgia, and you're probably all scratching your heads and wondering, well, where is that? It's it's a suburb of it's a suburb of Atlanta, and uh, I make a my usual frame of reference is Atlanta because nobody knows where Loganville is, and much less have they heard of it. In fact, I remember uh, a number of years ago there was a commercial on television about a car dealer, a local car dealer in the Atlanta area who happened to be in Loganville. And at the end of the commercial, the question was asked, where's Loganville? That's <laughs> <laughs> what it sounded like. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's what that's all about. But to give you a little background about who I am, I. Uh, born totally blind, but I had normal hearing, which I had 
until I was in my early 20s. And I started to lose that, uh, mostly for the fact that um, I grew up in the 60s and 70s when there were only, there were two levels to hear your music, loud and louder. And I started my radio career, I just ended up retired from uh, a 43 year radio career last year. Wow. And I started my career as a student at Georgia State University, and they got around a lot of that rock and roll radio then, and uh, that's when I started to lose my hearing. It was uh, a slow process, and it wasn't until, I guess, around 1990 that I actually discovered that I had a loss. I, I know people around me had noticed that I wasn't hearing as well, and, and at some point I did too, but I had it checked out, and it was determined that I needed to wear hearing aids. And so I wore hearing aids from 1990 until 2017, with uh, my hearing gradually getting worse. So two years ago, my audiologist checked everything out, and I went for another test, and she recommended that I get a cochlear implant. And that scared me to death at first. My hearing had gotten that bad, so I would need a cochlear implant. I didn't know much about them then, but I'd heard a few things, and I'd heard that when you first got them, that everything was going to sound like uh, an old record played at 78 speed. And I knew what that was like. <laughs> And so it, it scared me to death, and I, I was thinking, well, has it really gotten that bad? Do, can't we just, you know, can't this be for down the road? And she said, Mr. Jones, you don't have any down the road left. You could lose the remainder of your hearing in five years. Well, that was all the motivation I needed, because I want to hear my job all my life has been listening and hearing. So it was agreed that uh, I would go into an audiology, uh, go into uh, a cochlear implant audiologist and find out just what I would need to do. And the cochlear implant audiologist checked me out and, and discovered that I was indeed a candidate for a cochlear implant. And when your hearing starts going under 50%, that sets you up to be a candidate right there. And of course, they, what they do is they find out just what your loss is and find out what type of implant you'll need. So, I talked with the audiologist and then I spoke with a surgeon and found out that it would work this way, that the surgery would take two hours. And what the surgery actually is, is that unlike some people tell you it's brain surgery, it actually isn't. It is uh, an implant that goes under your skin and then they connect it to your cochlea. And uh, 
the cochlear implant, unlike hearing aids, does not amplify sound. What it does is that it passes by the damaged portion of your ear and uses electrical stimulation to enable you to hear. So I had a lot of questions about it. My big concern was, well, you know, how long am I going to be out of it? And uh, once the implant started before I could get activated. And uh, the audiologist and surgeon both assured me that for, I would be, I would still use my other hearing aid. I wear two hearing aids, by the way. I should have told you that in the beginning, but uh, anyway, the, I was told that I would still have that hearing aid, so I would just have one ear that I couldn't use at all for at least three weeks. So, it was a, I got scheduled for late October in 2017 to have the implant. And before that time, I looked at the various implants and the speech processors that were there to determine what I would like. And also, uh, the audiologist worked with me on that too. And uh, there are several types of implants. I'm not an expert on all this, but there's a hybrid and there's a nucleus. And then there's uh, advanced bionics, which is what I'm using. And um, what, uh, so it was determined that I would need advanced bionics. So on the morning of my surgery, I entered the hospital and it was all taken care of in a few hours and everything went very well and because the cochlear implants, with, with rare exceptions, cochlear implants are an outpatient thing. So I went into the hospital for surgery, I, I had the surgery at 6 o'clock that morning and I was back home by 11.30 a.m. So for the next three weeks, I more or less, I, well, I actually did not go into work. The, my uh, surgeon told me that I should wait until I got activated with a speech processor. So I was at home for three weeks and rested one of those weeks and did some work from home for the next two weeks. and. Um, I was told about some things, some side effects that I would experience from a cochlear implant. One being dizziness, possible, which I did experience for just a few hours. Some people experienced several weeks of it, but I uh, experienced it just for a few hours and was over. Uh, there was another side effect. There's another side effect that would what your, your taste buds would be like tasting metal for a while. You have a metallic taste. I think I did for a few hours that first day that uh, the day of the surgery, but after that it, it went away. Now, uh, I did have some medicine to take for the part of my ear that had gotten, gotten sore. 
because of the surgery. And I have some pain medication to take. And the thing about a cochlear implant, it is somewhat painful. It's not, you do have some pain afterward, but it isn't severe. But it's enough to make you feel uncomfortable. So I took pain medication for just about a week. And anyway, the day came for my activation. And I went to my audiologist and she turned on my implant. And the first thing that they do when they turn the implant on is they set the level of the electrodes in your implant. And they'll usually start, or at least my audiologist did start with a, a high level and then she would lower it a little bit until I said, okay, I'm comfortable with this. And she would uh, take care of that. And now uh, I got the speech processor after that. And what I have is a speech processor that has two parts. Now, I have looked at the thing about speech processors and there's another kind that just sits on your head and there's a kind where there's a portion with a magnet that goes to the side of your head up next to the implant and the other part fits on the ear. That's the one I got. I found out about the one that just sits on your head and I found out that uh, that can use disposable batteries which have to be changed every two days. Which after a while, as you can probably figure out, can get pretty expensive. So I took the other speech processor and uh, I have two batteries with it and uh, each day I have to change them and a couple hours before they die off I get a beeping signal and in fact I'm getting it today and so during this presentation I may have to change the battery but we'll just let that be part of the presentation. <laughs> uh, and anyway when I first got the um, speech processor activated, one of the things I noticed was that unlike just amplifying, as I mentioned earlier, that uh, the hearing aids just amplifies their natural sound, well, the speech processor and the uh, cochlear implants, you hear differently. I mean, at first, some people, especially high-pitched folks, Sounded a little bit like chipmunks, and uh, but the, my main sound was it, it was things sounded like they were coming out of a barrel when I was listening. Would people would sound like they were coming from a barrel, and um, and also uh, I, I know I experienced a sound that would come that would sound like a, a, a radio with a loose wire in it sometimes also, and uh, there were just you know just. Uh, situations where I was wondering what's going on, am I really hearing this, am I wondering what I'm supposed to be hearing here, uh, but you do have a Tim Pam sound for a good while, which I still have, uh, but it's not that bad anymore, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be, I've gotten accustomed to it, so, and it does, uh, there's a little echoing there, but um, what I wanted to tell you, too, was that um, when I got activated, I was told that my left ear, which is where I have the implant, will become my dominating ear. 
that was and it's, and it's set up to work simultaneously with my right side hearing aid, and it it works very well there. And I'm glad it, I'm glad it works simultaneously because I have heard situations of situations where the hearing aid would hear something and then it would not two seconds later the speech processor would hear the same thing. So you you know you can imagine how confusing that must be. And uh, anyway, uh, so everything worked simultaneously, but what I had to do though, because of the fact that the speech processor on my left ear would my left ear would become my dominating ear is that I had to practice doing things, listening to things a lot of times with my hearing aid off. In other words, I had to do 15 minutes of reading for twice a day with my hearing aid off, reading, reading out loud, of course. And also, I would have to have people speak words to me, words and phrases, also without my hearing aid, to see how well I could adjust to that and see if I could hear things well enough with my left speech processor and cochlear implant. And, I, and after, it took a while for that, but I've gotten used to that now. And uh, uh, sometimes I've had a balance problem with it. Uh, another thing I have to tell you, I have two speech processors. I have uh, the one I'm wearing now, and I have one that is a backup for my left ear, just in case something happens to this one. And uh, when my audiologist gave them to me, she said, now keep that back that backup processor in your underwear drawer. <laughs> now there's a reason for that. It seems that sometimes many folks forget that they have that backup processor and something goes wrong with that processor, and then they, cannot, they remember that they had the backup processor, they get it out, and it's not working. And so, what I do is at least once a month, I will get that backup processor out and use it for several days to make sure it's working properly. And the reason the audiologist told me that she said put it in your underwear drawer is because everybody has an underwear drawer. <laughs> and anyway, it, 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 it was uh, really something to have that. And I've got to talk about some of the accessories that I have. Obviously, I have the battery charger. I also have a, a, a little uh, dryer that every night I, when I take my processor off and my other hearing aid off, I put them in that dryer and it dries out the moisture that uh, gathers up during the day. Uh, and also I have uh, what is the assistive listening device with The, uh, the speech processor, and that is a Roger pin. It, not sure why it's called a Roger pin, but it works with the processor when I'm in a situation where there's a lot of noise or when there is uh, some difficulty with understanding some of the speakers. Uh, I can turn that Roger pin on and it'll, and it'll take up, it'll 
take away at least 70% of my uh, speech process of hearing and going to, go to that Roger pen and I can hear someone talking directly into my ear and it also takes out a lot of the noise that is always around. It takes a lot of the background noise out. And I want to talk about the speech processor for a minute to tell you, and I have four programs in this processor. One is the main program where but, uh, it's just an all around for everything. The next one is noise reduction, and it'll take a, a bit of the noise out. But uh, the only problem with that, though, it sometimes takes the voices down, too, which you don't want that, that, that to happen. And then you have the omnidirectional program, which picks up everything around you. And then, and this, and this is something I have not intended to put in the presentation, but I have discovered something, too, in just the past couple of days, just being at this convention. The fourth program is for sound systems that have a hearing aid coil. Now, I was in St. Louis last year, and I tried that, and it didn't work. I don't know the, the sound systems there, I guess, were, were maybe outdated or whatever. But Saturday night, at the opening session, I used this fourth program. And on the left side, where my cochlear implant and speech processor are, it cut out all the noise, I mean the roaring air conditioning noise or what other people said to me, and all I could hear and could hear just as clearly as anything were the speakers. Right. Yeah. It was sensational. <laughs> it was absolutely sensational, and it took out even some of the noise, not all, but some of the noise on the right side. It was just absolutely sensational. And I've been wearing it for not just that, but for other things too. And it, it is making all the difference in the world. I am picking up so much at this convention this year from the meetings and the general sessions. And I still have a lot of problems though. Now I'm not gonna kid you around about that. It, it, it hasn't been easy because I'll tell you, you do have a lot of things coming at you. You do hear a lot of things now, more than you've heard in years. In fact, I, in fact, I, I noticed at home, I heard something in the kitchen that I hadn't heard in a long time, and it was a that was the comforting hum of a refrigerator. Wow. I, I'm telling you, it was great. But, but I still have a lot of difficulty sometimes, and this is what makes a, a big difference in cochlear implants and hearing aids, and that is the fact that it is mostly brain work. It's more brain work than anything else, and you really have to focus and concentrate, and that's really the hard part, because I still, it's, when you have so many things that you haven't heard in a long time coming at you, it is difficult to keep up with everything, and you, you have to get that brain to working where it can keep up. One of the things that I discovered once I got my activation was that many people talk very, very fast. <laughs> and I can, I, can, I can see why your reactions, you know what I'm talking about. And um, this is something, there's some things we just can't control, but 
I, I do have still have some difficulty uh, understanding, not very, not all the time, and I do still have to have things repeated to me and ask somebody to repeat things to me. And I got, I have to admit, it does frustrate me to do that, and I, I realize that maybe it shouldn't. And, uh, you know, I've been, um, I've been assured and reassured by a good friend of mine who is a uh, resource teacher in, the, in uh, one of the public schools in the Atlanta area, who for many years taught students with cochlear implants she assured me that, you know, if you need to have somebody repeat something to you, that's okay. Um, I understand that there are a lot of things that we can do with cochlear implants that we can't do with hearing aids, unless you've got a hearing, uh, a waterproof hearing aid, is uh, that, that you can actually wear the cochlear implant in the shower or in the swimming pool or whatever, uh, but I have not wanted to take that chance yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm still very cautious about it, but, but you know, really, as I was relating to you about my discovery, I think this convention has given me an opportunity to really experiment with this speech processor in all kinds of settings, and, you know, maybe it's a good thing that, for at least for me, that the convention is in different settings, because... You know, in one, one place, uh, you, you may have to use your speech processor one way or another way in a different place. I mean, for instance, uh, the Roger pen I was referring to, I had to use it in here during the last session. Um, and um, on uh, Saturday night, I uh, was using that fourth program that I was telling you about. So it really comes down to just Making it, making it work for you, because it, it is an individual thing. And um, so I don't know if I can really say too much more about this. Uh, so why don't we just go ahead and take some questions? Mr. Phil, this is Cecily Sr. You said you have four different settings for your cochlear. How do you change from one setting to another? Okay, now, okay, now the, uh, the uh, programs are in the speech processor. So I do have buttons for changing that. I have the buttons on the processor for changing that. Uh, and I have uh, buttons for setting the levels, one for the high, one for low. I have a question. Yes, who's speaking, please? I'll tell you this. This is Ray Campbell speaking, Phil. And my question to you is, um, the uh, cochlear implant was it was was it covered uh, by insurance? Uh, did, did Medicare pay for it? I don't know if you have Medicare or not. Oh, yes, I left out that detail right there. Now, unlike most hearing aids, which you have to pay for, unless you can get uh, rehabilitation to pay for it, uh, a cochlear implant is covered by insurance and Medicare. Otherwise, I'd have to be just do without one. So yes, it is. Mr. Phil, this is Cecily Jr. Do you find that it's better for people to stand on the cochlear side when they speak to you or on the hearing aid side? Or does it matter? 
Well, it is much better on the hearing on the uh, cochlear implant side. It is it is much better to do it that way because it does present a little bit of a balance problem because the hearing. Uh, this is something that I spoke to my audiologist about uh, that I do prefer balance, but it doesn't. Um, she told me that uh, well, you, you really won't get much that much of balance because of the fact that. The left ear is the dominating ear, and it really, I think, took me a long time to realize that. So that's why I really try to focus more on listening with my left ear than right ear. And anything said, by the way, anything said on my right side is going to bounce over to the left side, just like that. So you know, it, would it, would it, uh, so that will work real well too. But it's better to stand on my left side. Mr. Phil, this is Cecily Senior again. Can you tell me why the doctor chose your left ear for the cochlear? It was the worst of the two ears as far as my uh, loss. A follow-up to that, have you considered getting it on the other side? Uh, yes, uh, I have considered that and I think when I next see my audiologist in October, I will ask about that. I know that the surgeon uh, that performed the uh, implant surgery uh, also spoke to me about it even before I had the surgery on the first side. She said, well, do you want to go ahead and do two sides or do you want to see how this, uh, this first one works out? Any other questions? We got another forty, uh, another forty-five minutes, I think. <laughs> yeah, we got more time. So, yeah. Anyone else? I would like to tell you also. I, I, you know, if you've got more time, I will talk to you about it. As far as uh, work goes, uh, when I went uh, now as a producer at the Georgia Radio Reading Service in Atlanta, a lot of my most of my job was listening and editing. And uh, I really want to tell you that things just uh, seem to be it worked out so much better with having the cochlear implant. Of course, you have all kinds of different voices to work with, too. Uh, uh, volunteer readers, and uh, I was also able to pick up any uh, sounds like the clicks and some of the un uh, other uh, unnecessary sounds and uh, having to do a lot more editing because of that. And uh, there, there are, uh, I, I know that um, someone who does a lot of listening to audio has really made a big difference and uh, one of the things I was told about was that by other people who have implants is that they're going to have a hard time listening to music in the beginning well I did find that that, that was the case when I tried listening on regular FM radio. I don't listen to AM radio for music anymore. 
But uh, I try not to be the case, but not so with a computer or with a little uh, internet radio that I have or any other listening device. That it's, uh, it's, it's actually a lot clearer. So um, I've uh, learned from that that uh, I can still listen to music and it, it's really great. Bill, this is Marcia speaking. Well, uh, do you know and I realize that you can't always go by age by with anything, but what is the oldest person who's had a cochlear that you're aware of? Or have you heard that? I don't, I don't know that at all, but I do know that uh, people from old to young do have cochlear implants, including children. So, I, I don't just really, I don't really know uh, anything as far as that goes. I, okay, that, that's okay. I was just curious if you had heard that mentioned since you were all, all along your journey. But um, anyway, I, I'm trying to think of some more things that I could tell you. I can say something. This is Cecily Jr. again. I had a childhood friend. She was probably six or seven, and so was I. And she was deaf, and she got a cochlear at that young age and learned to speak after she got it. So that's a success story from a child. That, that's, a great, that's a great choice. You know, that was something that uh, I was also told about. If I didn't get a cochlear implant, it might start affecting my speech. Not being able to hear as well would do that, and I certainly can't afford that. I mean, I, I still talk a lot, and I, at <laughs> least. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> yes, I, uh, as, as, as Marcia can certainly tell you, I have been talking a lot more at board meetings and all that. Yeah, you sure have. Well, <laughs> that's, good. That's, that's a good, good. thing. That's, yeah, that's a good thing, Phil. That's right. <laughs> But uh, anyway, if, uh, I, I would uh, entertain any more questions, any more comments. Um. I have another one, Mr. Phil. This is Senior. Is there a difference for you with the talking on the telephone with the cochlear implant? Okay, this, there, there are a couple of things that I can do. I can put the phone up next to my ear and that works, but it does make folks sound more high-pitched than they really are. And I do have trouble with high-pitched voices. I know, especially around children, I, uh, my uh, nieces, uh, both my nieces have children and uh, they're really young and I have difficulty understanding a lot of what they say and so the same thing happens at the, uh, with the phone sometimes, but uh, that's one way that I do it. Also, the Roger pen that I was telling you about has a button, uh, a couple of buttons, one button for answering the phone and another one for uh, uh, hanging up, and uh, that goes directly into my ear. Also, I also I used a speakerphone 
as well. And uh, that seems to work best. It's, it, it, in a normal program, it's a little bit too loud. Of course, I can adjust the phone for that. So there's really not that much of a problem there. But uh, the fourth program that I was talking about, that I've been raving about, works real well with the phone as well. Thank you very much for that question. I, I, you know, you're, you're, you're asking questions that I have meant to cover, but as usual, <laughs> uh, I have it all figured out. I forget, some, I forget some of these things. <laughs> Do any of you in the room know people with cochlear implants and what have they told you? On the microphone, please. Yeah, please he, on the microphone. He wanted Karen. Oh, that, that's an unwritten rule on ACV. Huh? Yeah, I, I, I do want it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just asking for it to be passed to me. Uh, this is uh, this is Marcia speaking. We have a uh, young girl in my church who is very very special needs, uh, and some of the medical doctors were concerned about her getting the cochlear simply because she does have other health problems. Mm -hmm. She she is a was a foster now adopted child and her mom is a nurse. But her mom and, and dad, the adopted parents, made the decision that they felt like the cochlear implants was worth the risk for her quality of life because she is uh, very, very visually impaired and she was almost deaf and because she was also uh, limited in her ability to think the cochlears have absolutely turned that little girl's life around and even though without a miracle from god they don't expect her to live maybe to be about 20 or so mm. uh, at the same time that the quality of life will be so much better and she will enjoy the years she does have. So, you know, I think I think we have to look at that aspect of it as well. Well, you certainly do, and and I and I really uh, think that was a great decision for this family to make, and I, I certainly applaud them for doing that because what really matters is what you do with that life and what quality of life you have how many years it may be, 10, 15, 150, whatever. But um, I know this is one of the things that I was told about too. I've read, I read some stuff about cochlear implants and some people liked them, some people didn't. And uh, I had uh, heard that uh, if you have a cochlear implant and at some point you need an MRI, that uh, that could be a problem for the cochlear implant take some, like, something out of it. I have another question, Mr. Phil. This is Senior. You know how, um, how do I say this? How long will this cochlear last? In other words, will you have to have it replaced in a few years, or is this something that's permanent? That would really depend. I, I have heard that some people have to have their replaced maybe after about uh, 
five or six years. So that may be uh, a possibility of having it replaced in a few years. And if I could have the microphone up here. Oh, it's there. Uh, this is Karen. Um, you asked if, if any of us knew anyone. Uh, yes, I do. Um, and this person was on was on the SASI committee briefly, and is on the SASI list. Mike Beasley out of California. He actually is a bilateral user. Yes, you know, I've heard, I've heard and uh, this is really encouraging, I, I'm on, uh, I'm on the, uh, yeah, you're on that, that bilateral horses, two of them, I, I, I've heard about uh, somebody on the, uh, there's a cochlear implant email list that I'm on, and I've heard a lot from uh, some of these folks who are bilateral, they tell you that with each year their hearing does improve. And uh, so that's encouraging, and, I, and that's why I would, you know, at some point like to get one for the right side. Mm -hmm. Does anybody else have anything at all they'd like to add to this? Any more questions? I don't know how many more questions I can answer. Like I say, I'm not an expert on this thing, but this is a good, it's a, it's a journey and I'm on it, and uh, I would be around a lot longer so I can be on it. It's an exciting journey, it's adventurous. Yes, sometimes I hit some bumps in the road, it gets frustrating. I, I know sometimes that my, my concentration just gets broken so easily, and, uh, and I, I listen, I'm listening to something, maybe a, a book or a or a radio program or some kind of any kind of reading and I just I'm just not in there at all and in and, and anyway, I come on I just come away so frustrated what happened I mean you know and I just yeah I just really wonder you know what is going on but but no I for the most part I it has been a real good road and I hope that it goes uh, on and on and I certainly want to keep coming to these conventions and, and having more experiences like uh, I've had with this one. I think this has really been one of the best things for me, as I mentioned earlier, to be able to experiment with in different situations. Mm -hmm. anyone, anyone else have any more questions? Bill, what year convention is this for you? What could you get on the mic? Please? What 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 uh? How what number convention is this for you? Is what she's asked. This is number twenty-eight for me. Wow. I, I began in nineteen eighty-eight and ran straight through until two thousand eight through two through two thousand eight, and I had to because of financial reasons, I had to kind of take. Uh, the next three off, but it came back in 2012 and uh, went for 2015. Then I had an accident uh, a little shortly before the uh, 2016 convention, and I received several injuries from the accident. And I wasn't 
really too sure I'll be up for the convention that year. And I missed 2017 because it was too expensive, but I came back last year. So this is number 28 for me. And uh, we're glad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Any, any more questions? Any comments? Any any follow-ups or whatever you want to just... We're we're proud of you in Georgia. She said we're proud of I, you. I know. In I Georgia. heard that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And uh, I really appreciate that. And by the way, my uh, battery is still working right now, so uh, it didn't go out. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you never I, know when you know, 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 the are going to go. Yeah, my Roger pin, now, my Roger pin, the drawback to that is it does drain away some battery life. What I have to do is I have a receiver as well as a pin. When I have to click it on, uh, clip it onto the end of the battery, you see, and, that, and that's, the way, that's the way it works. So, um, Anyway, I, I thank you all for for uh, being here today and coming and asking the questions and uh, and making the comments and I, I really enjoyed doing this very very much and so uh, thank you all again and if you ever want to you know if you talk to me about it I'll be around all week if you want to talk some more about it I'll be around the rest of the week somewhere so thank you all thank you very much for appreciating it. Okay, for that, for anyone who needs the end code for the CEC, and by the way, this was one, one uh, credit, as was the uh, Helen Keller program, but the code Delta Alpha Foxtrot Alpha 4. You are welcome. Okay.